0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode four of the World of Brick Films podcast. I'm your host, William of AW Studios, and uh, joining me again is uh, Sean Willis of City Penta. Hello again. Yeah, unfortunately um, uh, Raphael uh, couldn't make it again. He uh, his phone is broken, so he had to uh, head over to to get it fixed. Uh, so uh, yeah, City Penta joining me again. But uh, joining us today is uh, Trevor of Pseudo Ninja Nerd. How you doing? All right.
1: I'm doing great. Yeah, ready to talk about brick films.
0: <laughs> so uh, you you started brick filming in uh, 2016, is that right? Uh,
1: actually, so uh, in, there's a bit more history to it than that. I, I actually started back in 2011. Um, there was this camp that a local community college was running, and um, it was like how to do Lego stop motion. So it was like, it was a week long camp and me and one of my friends did it and we made this animation that I still actually have. Uh, I've contemplated posting it on YouTube, but uh, I've kind of uh, decided against that just because it's, it's, it's pretty crappy. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, and it's a uh, funny story about that too actually is uh, there was a picture they took of us um, while we were at the event. And they've used it on the brochure for that camp uh, ever since. So every year in the mail, we always just get this picture of me from like six, seven years ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, and from from then, I kind of did some stuff with like an old iPod I had, but I didn't start like actually posting things uh, to YouTube until 2016.
0: So, yeah, I mean, I I'm just, I come to say I've got like loads of brick films that I've like never released. But uh, again, I, I sort of like we watched them, and I kind of just think, yeah, that I'm not going to release them. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, it's it, it. It would be really interesting to see how people reacted to it, but yeah.
2: <laughs> so, uh, when were you watching brick films first regularly?
1: Oh gosh, I mean, yeah, it was probably around 2011, if not earlier. Um, and I, I think I've mentioned this before on the uh, Frame 100 podcast, but um, I think the first animator that i had like ever discovered and like knew about was uh mini life tv um uh there was i think there was this old like brick filming website i used to go to it wasn't like brickfilms.com or anything um I, like i can't remember the name of the website it's it completely escapes escapes me but um I would watch, like, the, this one video, and then, like, they had the autoplay feature on there, so you could, like, click on different videos to watch from there, and I would keep going, and eventually I, like, found this one video that really, like, really interested me, and as it turns out, it was the second episode of uh, the Minilife TV series. And so like a couple more years go by and I had like actually discovered them and subscribed to them. And that's when I realized, oh my gosh, all these years ago, I was like already watching you guys. Um, so that was uh, an in- definitely an interesting discovery. But
0: <laughs> Yeah. So um, uh, you've got, have you got a couple of uh, projects you are sort of working on? Um, can you tell us a little bit about them?
1: Uh, yeah, so right now for the summer, uh, I have one project in particular planned out. Um, I made an announcement video about it and like an update thing that I posted a couple weeks ago. Um, I'm making, I'm working on making this film called Torment, which is this, uh, bullying awareness film. And it's about this kid who goes through... Um, all these different experiences with uh, another bully, and eventually there's like a student in his class that decides to step up for him, and uh, they kind of end up uh, having a new friendship between the, the two of them. Um, so I'm currently in the process, uh, I haven't produced any animation for it yet, uh, I'm hoping to start animation really soon, uh, but I've been trying to reach out to a bunch of different like uh, organizations and companies and stuff that are that have these anti-bullying initiatives um, to hopefully see if one of them can potentially like sponsor or uh, partner with me on the on the product on the film. So yeah, I, I still have yet to hear from any of them, but hopefully I'll get some uh, notices about that stuff soon.
2: <laughs> and is that for a, a class project or a contest or something? Does it have a deadline?
1: Uh, no, there's no deadline on it. Um, I, I have thought like even if. Um, Reaching out to another company didn't work out. I could potentially enter it into like some anti-bullying contest if need be Um, But like if none of those work out, it'll just be put up onto my channel as just a regular regular old video Um, But yeah, and then from there, uh, I don't really have any other plans for the rest of the year I know I definitely want to do a Christmas special edition of the uh, My Unluckish Life series, which is a series I run on my channel. But um, other than that, I really have no plans for the most part. <laughs> Just kind of winging it from here on.
0: So, yeah. so there uh, in uh, My Unluckish Life episode 5, you did uh, quite a few uh, motion blur effects. Um, to t- how hard was it to kind of time that to get it right?
1: Oh, geez. Um, well... A lot of them weren't that hard. Um, It's a technique that I had been wanting to use in other videos. I can't remember if I did, actually, in any of the others. I might have, but um, it seemed like it was going to be the best thing to do for uh, the type of video that episode five was. Um, There was one. I think it's the one where it's the, the really quick pan between him being on that uh, Alex being on that blue sled and it like hitting into a rock and him flinging off um, Because I think what I had to do is I actually ran out of um, poster board in the background and I needed like one more image of it of the um, Motion blur so I had to get like another piece of poster board and like post it up next to it um, So it, it looks a little off. You can probably actually see the frame within in the video um, But yeah, I mean other than that the the blurred stuff was pretty easy to do for the
0: most part. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, because um, you uh, actually do uh, a couple of different types of motion blur, because you've got the actual physical um, moving objects quickly as you sort of take the frame, but you also do uh, brick-built uh, motion blur as well, And you, I, I, I noticed on your uh, behind-the-scenes video, you are talking about it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, of course, that was all inspired by, like, the Lego movie, Lego Ninjago movie, Lego Batman movie. Um, because, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting how, like, they were the ones to kind of, like, I guess you could say, pioneer that technique um, before us, who, like, actually do that stuff for a living, quote-unquote. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, and I remember even with, uh, there's the one shot at the end where um, everything's, like, spinning. Uh, so you see, like, Percy, and he's holding, like, that little bill for, like, the $100 for the, the damage report or whatever. Um, that, I simply just had, like, a Lazy Susan um, spinning platform thing. And uh, that shot took a good long while to put that together, to be honest. Um,
0: so, um, who do you say are your kind of your biggest inspirations when it comes to the your, your, your films you make? Because I kind sort of noticed, I feel like, in a way, that my Unlucky Live series... Reminds me a little bit of um, Stranger Than Fishing by uh, Mind Game. I don't know if that's one of the inspirations?
1: Um, actually, no. Um, Zach Macias, I, I do love his stuff. Um, I, I definitely look up to him and his animations. But um, I actually hadn't seen that video until... Uh, not recently, but it, it was within the past year. Um, so I had never seen it before, planning out any, any of the My Unluckish Life stuff. Um, but again, going back to mini life TV, they were definitely a big inspiration for it. And, um, uncoincidentally, like I, my character, my two title characters from my unluckish life, Alex and Percy, um, Alex actually sh- shares the same exact hairpiece as Chris and, um, uh, Percy same shares the same headpiece as Ian. Um, so that was just like a really weird coincidence. Like I had... That was even still before I had, like, quote-unquote, discovered them. So those were just, like, two creative coincidences that I, I didn't even realize till like, a good bit into uh, the future. But uh, other than Minilife TV, um, gosh, I mean, there's, there's just... Like, really, it's just any brick filmer that I've come across um, has truly been an inspiration to me. Uh, definitely Rio Force. Um, he's a been a big inspiration because just because of his like really wacky out of out of the blue sort of humor and uh style so uh,
2: is there anything in particular that was an influence on making it less dialogue based than mini life tv
1: Not really besides just um uh making videos easier to put out um <laughs> just cuz syncing dialogue with animation movements is pretty challenging when you're um, not syncing them together through Dragonframe, but uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, there's really no reason behind it. I mean, with with episode five in particular, um, I did want it to be uh, in kind of a genre of its own compared to the others, Uh, because with each video, I really do try to practice like a different technique or a different style of my filming um, just to really influence new shooting styles. And just to kind of always keep things fresh, so I mean, besides that, there really was no other influence besides making it less dialogue based
2: yeah, I would agree that episode five is a is its own thing. it's really a standout mm-hmm, a, yeah a, among the series and also just brick films in general in recent times
1: many many people have been telling me it's my my new magnum opus, and uh it's pretty humbling to hear that to be honest
2: for now at least
0: I think it's probably. You know my my favorite brick films this year so far, easily, yeah. Well, thank you, yeah. <laughs> well, it's one of the things I I really like is um again I always talk about it a lot but musical accompaniment, and it, I really love how the the music the classical music flows with um what's going on, and again it's I just think classical music just goes so well with like you know comedy brick films and that kind of thing, yes. Yeah, <laughs>
1: It, it, really, it really does, yeah, and like with that, before hopping into production of episode 5, I just was kind of like, okay, I know I want to use classical music, so I went ahead and I found like three or four different songs, and then I went and did all the shooting for it, and it was just really coincidental that things happened to match up as well as they did um, when I was putting everything together in post. Um, and I was really happy that things actually did match up as well as they did. Because um, otherwise I think the video would have been pretty all over the place
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah well i i i've uh recently uh in the film i'm doing right now um of five um the uh I, I i use uh a classical piece uh during an action sequence and um yeah i just think it's it's just a, a fun way of like you know you're using classical music you know with films it's it is, it is really fun mm-hmm. yeah so um what do you say is uh, the, the most challenging thing you've ever like done when it comes to anime, uh, animation?
1: Oh, jeez. Um, I think, throwing it back to the, the first video I ever did, the uh, My Luckish Life episode 1, the scene where that motorcycle has to break through the wall, uh, that was a really challenging one because I remember I did not build the wall to necessarily um, come apart easy or anything. And um, I had also not gotten like a a battery pack to go into my camera by then. So I had like a limited amount of battery life. So I was even on like a bit of a timing or a timer for that. Um, So I was like on the clock trying to put that together. And it was just a really challenging one to do because of how many different things were going on in the scene. Um, I mean, that was that's probably the most challenging thing I've ever had to do. Uh either that or just some of the uh the motion blur shots from my ripped away film. Uh because with those it was making sure that like things moved consistently uh between frames and making sure that like lighting was consistent and just um making sure that everything looked good uh was a bit more on the challenging side.
0: Yeah, I mean I've come across uh the sort of case quite a lot where you know, I've built something, and it's not designed to be put apart easily. Um, and uh, that's always really a pain. You're trying to, like, show different angles or anything like that. Like, um, quite often, I'll, I'll build, like, a room where it's, like, designed like you actually would build a room, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I do that a lot, too, where uh, I build things like you would actually want to build them structurally, because I used to make a lot of mocks back in the day. And um, since then, I've kind of learned um, that, like, not to take my fa- my fascination in set design to, uh, I guess you could say, practical terms. Uh, so now it's like whenever I build rooms, I always like put them on jumpers so that they're easy to like pull off, uh, pull off walls from the floor and stuff like that. Um, and I'm a lot, definitely now, I'm a lot more conscious of my set design and making sure that it actually functions well with my animation flow.
0: Yeah. I mean, I didn't even really think about it too much until I was talking to uh, um in the podcast a couple of episodes ago. Mm-hmm. He was saying that, you know, he always designs it so that you can easily pull apart the sets to, to do different angles and stuff, and and now what I do is, um, with the wall, I'll just, like, make it so that each side of a wall is sort of not attached, and I'll just attach it with one brick at the top.
2: Mm. Yeah, I do the same.
0: Yeah, it's a more practical way of doing it, because it's easier to put it apart and and rearrange it, and yeah.
2: It's kind of funny because when I joined, uh, everyone knew to do that. Uh, Like, I I don't remember ever seeing anyone not doing that, so I don't know, maybe people don't really say it anymore. Maybe it became so commonplace that everyone forgot to mention it to new people.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think people are so used to seeing, like, these impressive mocks and, and different things that they kind of want to replicate that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. they forget, uh, like you were saying a minute ago, you they forget. You forget to really look at the practical side of things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I've definitely learned a lot since um, starting because uh, I, I'm a lot more conscious of uh, how much time things are going to take, um, and I've kind of gotten into a motion where. I don't really want to spend as much time on set building because I know that the more time I waste on that, the less time I have to animate or the more delayed animation becomes. So it's also really hard to find a balance between um, what to spend more time doing and what to spend less time doing. Uh, but I've, I think I've started to figure out uh, a sufficient way to at least have a better flow of workflow of things.
0: Yeah. So, um, so in the previous episode, we did actually, um, we talked um, a little bit about uh, B-movie brick films. And I thought a good sort of continuation on that theme would be to uh, talk a little bit about the sort of, I suppose you call them like high concept brick films. Basically, it's these sort of films that production values and like and of stuff are sort of more important than the kind of actual story side of things. So basically, you've got films like, um, I'm sure that we've all talked about, like Michael Hickox, you know, in the past. Um, Mm -hmm. And basically, there are, you know, there are quite a lot that, you know, that are like him. um, And they're kind of varying sort of degrees of quality. And I know a lot of people, you know, do criticize his stuff. But I think it's not really the stories, because you can do, um, you know, some amazing things with stories that are similar to that. Um, like one of the examples I think is um, is Panzerhat is he called?
1: Panzerhat. Yeah. He
0: makes some. I mean, I think his stories are almost as simplistic as something that Michael Hickox would do, but they're just so engaging and just sort of fun to watch that it kind of, it's it's just like a whole whole new level, you know, from that kind of thing. And yeah, so what what do you uh, what your guys sort of opinion on that kind of thing? Well,
1: I mean, for me, like Michael Hickox uh, definitely like was always an early inspiration to me but yeah now it just feels like his um animation is lacking so much uh that it makes me care less even if he's trying to like really incorporate a story um the way that i've written my unluckish life and how the episodes work is they they really are more sort of in that realm where like they're each kind of this disjointed random little story that i'm trying to tell um and I sort of associate that again with uh, Minilife TV and how their structure was back in the early days. But now they've grown to a point where everything, like, every episode that precedes the next is, like, in a story-driven um, style. And I do want to eventually reach a point where not necessarily every episode is story-driven, but at least episodes start to, like, connect with one another. And the effects of one episode um, start to cause other effects to others. Um... But yeah, like, and again, with Pants a Hat, like, again, he, well, he's one of my favorite animators uh, in recent years, just because his, the stories are, like, super lacking, but the way that everything is animated, and I think even the comedic aspect of it, it just engrosses me so much and makes me want to try, and if there's not a story there, make one for him, basically. And I think that's, there's just, like, a little bit of a magical thing to that. Um, it's really cool. But then with all these other, like, Michael Hickox clones, like, um, another one that I've seen recently is FK Films. I used to like his stuff a lot, but now it's, like, everything is... It's, like, the sound files that he uses start to annoy me. Like, I noticed that his... The sound file he uses for the walking for minifigures, it doesn't actually sync up with the footsteps that the minifigs make. And that just starts to kinda of drive me insane. Um,
0: one of the things that annoys me is the uh, the same sound effects over and over again. Do you just hear like in every in every film as his.
1: Yeah, they just get reused over and over and over again and recycled all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah. So the the funny thing is, like, when it comes to like Michael Hickox, um, I wouldn't necessarily say that his stuff is bad. But you look at something that he did in uh, 2009, and you look at something from, uh, like, now, and I don't really think enough has really changed. And that's really the problem, he's never really, sort of, challenges himself to um, try new things.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: you know, like, uh, in the early days, I think there was a lot of potential for him to grow as a, an, an animator. Uh, I think a lot of his early stuff, I would, I would say, has actually, you know, got, like, potential. Like. Um, the pizza delivery film is kind of funny but it just like it just doesn't you know if you're just gonna make it again and again it's just gonna it's not gonna be funny anymore
1: it's gonna t- it's gonna tire people yeah. out
0: and i think it's the same kind of like the way that everything's static and everything like looks the same you're sort of looking at uh, that same sort of distance from the the figures and you know it, it kind of it gets to that point where you know like you, you're not looking you're not you don't feel like you're there you feel like you're just watching some Lego figures move around. And there's that sort of disconnect. Oh, yeah, I, I think.
2: think that uh, Michael Hickox's animation in particular is very robotic. It's like mm-hmm. the characters, there's, there's like a lot of walking and running. And they just kind of run with their arms straight forward and straight back. And there's not really much um, like life.
1: Yeah, there, there's no dynamic motion to any I haven't,
2: it. I really haven't watched a lot of Michael Hickox. Cause, I mean, I was always turned off by the, you know, sort of basic titles and thumbnails and uh, the little amounts that I did see which I just, I mean yeah, I completely understand why they get as popular as they do and who they're for and they're just not, they're just not targeted towards me and uh, that's that's fine but then when I saw uh, other people, like I, I saw these Hickox clones and they're related and I thought oh that's, that's gonna be that's gonna be boring to me but then I started watching people like Pants of Hat and uh, Jurassic Brick Productions recently is one who got posted in the Discord who I was surprised by and then, and I was, you know, really surprised to see that they were like sort of like leagues above the stuff that I have seen by Michael Hickox or like some of the other big ones. You know, like Panzer Hat has got a lot of fun scenarios, and Jurassic Brick Productions has got incredibly great animation. There's just a lot more fun and life to the visuals of their films, even if the, you know, the stories are obviously just kept basic. For a wider audience.
0: <laughs> the thing is, like um, the way I look at it is that basically the stories that you know in Michael Hickok's films are cartoons, and people like Pantahat um, they know uh, they, they they animate it in a cartoony way.
2: Yeah, a cartoon has to be cartoony,
0: mm-hmm. and his 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 stuff isn't doesn't look like a cartoon. It just looks, you know, all robotic. It doesn't. And that's the problem, I think. It's not done in a way that's fun or, you know, the way that the stories are, you know.
2: It just kind of gets by um, the fact that Lego is moving.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: And that's enough for, that's it's enough for his audience. I mean, obviously, we're like, as Lego animators, we're going to be pretty picky about that.
0: Of course, that's, that's the thing. I mean, he's not, he's only doing what his audience wanted to do. And, and basically, he's not, he's not like a, He's he wouldn't sort of regard himself as a, a filmmaker in the same way that a lot of the kind of, People in the community think he's really an animator who who has a big YouTube channel. So it's not really kind of the same thing, is it at all? But um, yeah, I think um, another one that I kind of have mixed opinions about is um, Alex Planet. I don't know if either of you have seen his. I stuff. I
1: have I have heard of him actually. Um, I personally I actually do kind of like his stuff. Um, it it has started to get to the point where it's like now that he's having like different parts to things and kind of like continuing stories, you can kind of see like, oh, well, that video is popular. So, of course, he's going to try and make a follow up to it, um, which, granted, I mean, most people would do that anyway. <laughs> um, but it's like it, there's not enough like new stuff to it, really, that it becomes basically redoing the same thing over again. But like with just a tiny little tweak here and there.
0: I, I think... Uh his the the quality of his films really just vary from film to film because there's one that I actually really love and I've watched like several times now. Um the, the Train Heist one. And I think it's probably one of his most popular films. Um and it's just so I think the, the sets, the the you know just the way it's animated and the kind of techniques are just are so sort of creative and fun. Um but then other ones, uh like his some of his recent stuff feels more like that kind of Michael Hickok sort of feel. So it's, yeah, I don't know. I think his is kind of mixed. Some are really good and some are just sort of like, okay.
2: <laughs> Did he do, the, I think I know the train heist film you're talking about, but I'm not sure if he made that or not. I mean, I'm actually not, not pre- really familiar with the, the guy you're talking about. I just kind of know the name, but again, I would have ignored it because of the just kind of uninteresting to me qualities.
0: I think it's, it's that one where they've got like counterfeit money and they're, they're sort of shipping it over on a train.
1: Oh, you know what? I think you may have that mixed up with, um, Alexander Studios.
0: Oh, yeah. that's the person I've been talking about. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
1: because oh. Alex's Planet, yeah, his stuff, it's like, he does he does parts to things, and, like, his his main draw, the stuff on his channel that has, like, millions upon millions of views are all these, like, Prison Break-related videos, and they use, like, frame blending... Um, yeah, his stuff I'm personally not that interested in, but Alexander Studios, I do like a good bit of his stuff. Um, there, was a, there was a film he just released, I think it was within a couple days ago, um, it was Lego Prison Break, and it was a bit more of a departure from the stuff he's done much more recently. Um, it still features like the father and son character uh, from his other videos but it's in uh, a slightly different way it doesn't really focus on them the whole entire time it focuses more on like the crooks in the story um, and with that one it's it's weird cuz it feels like he animated it like slightly more rigidly and i kind of prefer that actually it's it's bizarre
0: i think what i find interesting about michael hickox going back to him is that he did that film um chainsaw massacre and oh, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and
2: and i love this one
0: he said that it was kind of like he was experimenting.
2: He wanted to do something, that, yeah, unusual for him. Yeah. But it seems like the reaction was so bad that he, he's never tried anything like that since.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So it says like in the early days, he was kind of willing to experiment. And I think he, he sort of gradually got to know his audience. Yeah.
2: It seems like he had some, some spark of inspiration there, but it seems to have, it seems like, yeah, making films for his audience kind of over overrules that.
1: Yeah, that, that flame has sort of been extinguished from his craft. Because I, I,
2: I just love the comment section of his Chainsaw Massacre video. It's the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> but I, I wanted to go back to, um, yeah, you mentioned him making films for his audience and uh, that you could look at something that he made in 2009 or 2010 and and now, and, and it hasn't really changed, um, like, quality-wise. And, you know, I think that it just it go, kind of goes to show, like when you're not involved in the community and there's no real pressure there from other filmmakers and, you know, you're not sort of su- subject to the expectations of the other filmmakers and and their advice as well in chat rooms or anything like that it, it shows, mm-hmm. it's understandable that the quality hasn't really changed all that much.
1: See, and it's it's also interesting because it's like, uh, like some people do it because they st- like, because they're tailoring to their audience, they know what they want, how they want it, but then sometimes people do it because they just aren't willing to change, and it's interesting where, like, since they don't do that, they have such a, like, distinguished style to everything that, like, if you saw one of their older films uh, compared to, like, one of their more recent films, you'd kind of be able to figure out, like, oh, yeah, like, I remember their stuff um, because they do everything, like, in this sort of style. So it's like it, it's kind of this bizarre thing where like it can either it can both help and hurt us uh, ways that animators sort of develop over time.
0: Yeah, I mean one of the ones that uh, was quite interesting because again similar kind of films, but he was you know active in within the big film community, so definitely had that influence. Was uh, Hamster Productions, and his stuff is really interesting because it's set in a like a, a setting like a time like. Uh, I think my favorite one is the one in London and it basically it's London in 1950s and they're like, they're stealing, uh, they're sort of robbing a bank. And, um, again, it's a very simple story, but it's done in well, such a fun way. Um, again, another one was the, the his gangster film, um, that's set in, uh, Chicago in the thirties? Again, there's another one that, you know, it's a very simple story, but you just do it the right way. It can be fun. Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I like his stuff. Um kinda bummed that we haven't seen anything from him recently. But
0: Yeah, well I think yeah, I don't know if he's actually sort of stopped animating, actually. I'm not sure, but yeah. But on
2: on that note, uh, I think it actually might it if Michael Hickox was to sort of put in an effort to improve his animation, it could end up harming him in the long run because it would take longer to make all the films.
1: Mm hmm Yeah.
2: If you're if you have to like actually make money off of brick filming then if you can manage to do that with a pretty easy animation, then yeah, you're it's a it's a good ruse for a career.
0: hmm I think there's that whole thing of um if he was to do that, um, his audience wouldn't be expecting it and a lot of people would feel like he's not doing he's not they're not he's not that Michael Hickox that they grew up with and enjoy.
2: Honestly, I I don't think they'd notice.
0: Maybe not actually, yeah. <laughs>
2: I mean, that's not, like, meant to be an insult or anything.
0: Uh, yeah,
1: I mean, it's a it's an interesting question, like, it'd be... I don't know, I, I, I'd I like to see if he maybe even just tried it and see what happens from there.
2: It's just, you know, we're the kind of people who t- think about the animation itself. So we'd be the ones to notice. But at the same time, we're not the target audience.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay, so... Um... Penta, uh, b- before we head over to the Book Film Showcase, is there any questions you'd like to ask?
2: Um, I suppose I might as well ask, any plans to enter the Bricks in Motion Summer Contest or Brawl?
0: Huh. Well, I assume that was
1: question was coming. Um, for Brawl, no. Uh, I really want to do Brawl this year. But, of course, uh, people decided to vote on the week that I was going to be away at a camp. Uh, Luckily, at that camp, I'll still be animating. I just won't have any access to Lego, of course. So I'm not going to be able to enter Brawl. Um, The summer contest, I would... Again, I would also like to enter that one. It's really just going to depend on how long it takes me to finish Torment. Um, I mean, heck, I could even, I guess, enter that into the contest, although I I don't really think it would fit the the theme very well. Um...
2: Well, that, you could make it fit the team depending on how you film it.
1: Very true, yeah. Yeah, so stuff stuff to think about. But I'm hoping yeah. to finish Torment and then if even if it's something small I could still enter that into the contest. I think that
2: you would be a great fit for the contest team because you know, of all the creative things that were done in uh, My Unluckiest Life Episode 5 that that would have fit the contest quite well I think, actually.
1: Yeah, I, I did enter... Um that into the the Brick World Chicago Film Festival um and it was just it was kind it was super coincidental how their theme happened to be seasons and i made this one that was all about the winter time um <laughs> and so that was hopefully that um that film does well in the in that film festival but we'll see when is
2: that actually is that um it happens
1: life? i i i entered it in and i think uh around father's day weekend which is in like two or three weeks um they like will announce that's when brick world is actually going on so like people will be able to vote and stuff then so
0: yeah
2: yeah hopefully it does well
0: well thank you for reminding me because i actually want to uh submit um one of my films into that i actually forgot but yeah (laughs) but
1: yeah i think i think you still have a couple more days so you should be (laughs) good
0: but uh yeah i mean as for me um I really, I've, I've never actually participated in Brawl, but I want to make this year the first, um, partly because it's the 10th anniversary, it's really special. But, um, uh, I mean, I don't, I haven't really confirmed it yet, but um, it seems very likely that I'll be doing a um, collaboration uh, with, two, with two other brick filmers. Um, for, if so, it um, be really good, I'd, I'd look forward to that. But yeah, I hope it sort of goes through. But, yeah. Um, yeah, the summer contest I definitely want to take part in, because I just always do, and it's my favourite contest. Um, I know, I, I, I am sort of thinking of possibly submitting the film I'm making right now, because there's a lot of practical effects in that, but I don't know. I like to make films specifically for it, so we'll see.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So, um, yeah, so we head over to the uh, Book Film Showcase then?
1: I'm down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, my pick is uh, Robota, Um And it's a 2005 film by um, Marc Bouteau, I think he's called. Uh, Basically, it's uh, set in a uh, futuristic world populated by robots. And um, it revolves around this one robot um, with a built-in wheelchair. And it's basically about about him trying to come up with the money to buy some parts so that he can walk again. Um, It's quite a large-scale film, um, as all the robots are big uh, brick-built puppets. Um, which makes it very distinct, uh, very distinctive-looking brick film. Um, it's one of those films that you can take a frame from, and you know, in- instantly it's you know you can identify it as being uh, Robota. Um, it's also definitely uh, stood the test of time. I think the the animation and the visuals, everything has really uh, kind of you know it's 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 aged really well. Um, I just think I think just everything about this uh, it's just so unique and interesting and uh, I really love it. Um, what what, you, what do you guys think?
2: Yeah, Robota is one of the first films that I'd go to as a, uh, you know, undisputed, all-time classic, best brick films of all time contender. And its its scale is unrivaled for brick filming, really. You know, it, it's the kind of film where it's like, if you can take it, uh, it, it is done in the film. It's like it just completely ignores the limitations of having to film it with Lego. You know, I'm sure a lot of people would like the idea of portraying a uh, massive living city, uh, but they just think, oh, you know, it needs too much space, needs too much Lego, needs too much lighting, needs too much camera movement, but it's all there in Robot. It's just, you know, it's just what he wanted to do, and then he did it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I, I mean, I'm blown away by, like, just the scale of everything, and... Even like the lighting, like the lighting is done. It's it's really, really good mood lighting throughout the film. Um, and I even just love the whole like tone shift uh, within the film where like it starts out kind of like gritty and desolate. And then he like goes into that club where the they're having like the robot bird fight. Um, and the mood sort of like is lightened there. And then it basically just turns into like a comedy by the end uh of the film um but yeah i mean in the scale and everything too it's it's i wish i had enough space just to pull something remotely close pull off something remotely close to that size um but all around i mean yeah it's that's a film that definitely was an inspiration to me too um i mean it was just one of the ones i think i just stumbled across somewhere and it's very distinct. It's got its own style. Uh, there's really nothing out there that's like it, and it's really
2: cool. It, it ties in a lot with what we were talking about last week with uh, Sloth about the establishing shots and also the, the city scale, like Akira or Ghost in the Shell. And, um, you know, the, there's a great establishing shot at the beginning, and then that, like, absolutely unbelievable shot where the camera pans down and there's so many layers to the city. And there's the, of course, the micro scale uh, skyline in the background, which works really well as well.
0: So um, Penta, what did you pick?
2: I picked Pokeball in 2 by Next Maniac and I was thinking, uh, I was trying to think about films that um, would fit the theme of the the summer contest. That just kind of inspired me. I was just thinking about it in general. And uh, I realized that Pokeball in 2 is quite an impressive one for uh, techniques and kind of deceptively simple in a way, but really effective and really well done. Uh, There's the impressive uh, use of scale and different size models for the same characters in the same shots that are just masked in a a blur or a a very quick movement. And it's just done so smoothly. And it's pretty, uh, it's inspirational, I think. I think a lot of people could could take influence from that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's even impressive how like it's a lego film done with a property that lego doesn't even own and it just works out so perfectly um i mean that the 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 dynamics of that film and how there's just so many different things going on in so many different scales and like how he was able to accomplish um every single shot within the film it's done so well and so polished that like it's really hard to see there's some films that like don't even rival it um it's pretty crazy just how much detail is in it too despite like how simplistic in style it is um and i always just love that thumbnail looking at it it just looks so derpy
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's a lot like a 2d animated film it's almost as if everything is is, it's all drawn it's like any shape he wants any size he wants. It's like, it's like you were drawing very. You just have a it completely, it's just you, up to your mind, but it's all done with bricks.
1: Yeah, I'd so be like, really interested to see element. how much inspiration he actually had from like the Pokemon anime. Because um, I mean, there are a lot of shots in there where everything feels very flat, but it's like you can still see like it's bricks layered on top of bricks to create like certain effects and things. Um, so it's this really cool mix of, like, 2D and 3D at the same time.
2: And actually, it's not it's not just so much, like, 2D animation, but specifically it's, like, internet flash animation. Old Newgrounds stuff is what it reminds yeah, me of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd actually like to know what his influences were making that film.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's such an old one, too. Like, I'm trying to remember how... What year did that come out?
2: Hot Pokeball 2? Yeah. Well, 2014. Okay. I, I consider it recent. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> passage of time is probably a lot different f- compared to between you and I. <laughs> I mean,
2: I consider it's just be like, you know, oh, yeah, that just came out that, you know, what, last year or something. So, <laughs> <that's a few laughs> yeah, years I mean, it's now. not
1: it's not that much older. I'm, I Because also, I don't even know what the time gap is between uh, the first and the second one. I don't think it was that long, though. Two
2: years. Oh, two years. Now. Actually, is Pokemon Pokeball, is Pokeball 2 the last... Project we've seen from next, but um, it wasn't a commission.
0: I think it might be. He hasn't really made that much, has he, in recent years?
2: Well, he has, but it's all on Lego's YouTube channel.
1: Mm hmm. Well, see, I was um, like, because, yeah, Dylan has not done anything within recent years, to be honest, um, at least for himself. Uh, I know there's a couple um, of. Films that he made for Lego that he posted on his own channel, but other than that, he hasn't done anything. I mean, another one of my favorites from him is like Foster the People, Houdini, um, but just that with that one in general, just the effects in that one are crazy good.
0: (laughs) Again, I think it's a bit like Roboto in that uh, it's a large scale film, Um, and uh, I guess goes they go quite well together actually (laughs) because. you know, it, it's that kind of unconventional. You're not just going with the mini figures, you know. And um, yeah, when you do when you do those sort of large scale stuff, I think, or uh, well, again, like Piccano mation his stuff, it's um, they really have to kind of be very creative in how they animate things and and how they build things and stuff. And it's uh, some very interesting stuff. I think it's something that um, I mean, I'd have to get more Lego, I think, but it's something that. I would like to go into, because you're having to animate in such a different style to just, uh, you know, the standard minifigure.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can yeah. see there's a lot of inspiration in it, too. I can see from, like, uh, stuff that David Pagano has done, too. Yeah, I'm sure. Little yeah. guys
2: in country building. Mm-hmm.
1: And the yep. other one
0: with the Pagano puppets. <laughs> so, uh, Trevor, what was your pick? Uh,
1: so, I was talking about him earlier, but uh, I picked uh, Lego z- Zombie Shopping by Pantsahat. Um, it's this, again, it's one of his films, all of his stuff is, like, super quirky, but it's where, um, this character of his, uh, is part of this zombie apocalypse, and he runs into another character, and they end up going into the shopping mall to try and find a cure, which just happens to be in Walmart, uh, to help get rid of this, like, zombie, uh, menace that's sweeped across the nation. Um, it's, like, the, the, the humor that he has throughout it is, like, really tongue-in-cheek and um it's super quirky and unique and yeah i mean it's always it i think it was the first film of his that i had seen um and i mean the fact that he was able to get me to watch that one and then get super engrossed in all of his older stuff um that definitely says something in terms of how just unique his craft is
0: again i think uh because you were talking about him earlier i just think uh he's, it's just the, the way that he animates, the way that things are shot, um, it's just done in such a, a fun way. Um, and it kind of really just sort of show you that you can have a very simple story and make it, you know, fantastic, you know? And I, I just think that's, uh, you know, it really sort of goes against any arguments to people going, oh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's only, you know, a silly story. It doesn't have to be good, you know? And I really do kind of commend People like Pan who, you know, do the best he can best they can in the you know, production values and everything like that and, and just make something really just fun to watch. And even though it's it's a very, you know, you know, it is actually a very essentially a very simple story. But yeah, I really like that.
2: Yeah, I think he must out of the hickox esque crowd, he must be the one that uh has the most appeal for the, you know, other brick filmers. For like mm-hmm. more serious big filmers. Yeah, and uh, it's... There's a lot of great production values and uh, a lot of, yeah, interesting scenarios and fun visuals.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's, like, even him, his set design is, like, really, really good. Like, there's... Everything is built out um, super on a super big scope. Um, definitely not as big as, like, in, a, in like, Robata, but it's... Uh, relative to a minifigure, it's pretty large. Um, Yeah, yeah, the the whole Walmart model. I mean, he's used that a couple times, too. And it's interesting, because, like, in a bunch of his films, he reuses a bunch of different things. Like, it's very obvious what stuff he's, like, used before. Um, But, like, since each of his films are, like, so disconnected from one another, um, they all seem, like, really unique in their own right. Um, but he has, like, still used, like, the same character, like, Jace Brickman, that he's using a couple of his films. He appears in this as well. Um, yeah, and it's, like, it's kind of, it, that's the thing that I'm trying to achieve, is, like, having a disconnected story that's still connected by, like, certain elements of it. Um, I don't know, it, it, it kind of creates this, like, sense of deja vu. <laughs>
2: And he's also more willing to uh, have some more interesting lighting in the films. You know, usually these type of films are all extremely bright, vivid colours, very even, flat lighting across the entire set. So they're not particularly interested to look at. But, you know, especially with, like, the outside of Walmart shot in this film, it's it's got, you know, it's, it's later in the day, so it's darker, and there's light coming out of the, the Walmart. It's not all one light source.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's something I'm trying to learn to do with my films is give them more dynamic lighting because it's definitely more appealing to the eye to have different colors of light as opposed to have everything or having everything just be like evenly lit with like two soft boxes um which is what i've been doing for the past year or so um but i'm really trying to delve into using like different colored lights and things and like with torment what i'm trying to do is have a big influence uh, from the sun. Um, so, like, every classroom and all the different locations in the film are always going to have, like, a window or something that will allow, like, light to flood in from the outside. Uh, and I'm hoping that that'll help with making the visuals look a lot more interesting. So,
2: Yeah, it, I think it does, yeah. But at the same time, it seems like the, the more flat and colorful lighting... I guess it has a more general appeal appeals to a more younger audience I suppose so that's yeah, why it, it really it does Hickox-esque people but I I would still say even though he does have he does put more life into the characters and does have a lot of uh, fun things to look at in the films I do think the animation it's not quite there uh, because it's a bit floaty and I don't think there's... I don't think the right... The weight isn't given uh, enough consideration. Yeah. And I've, I've thought this with some of his other films as well. And I don't know if he's um, gotten better in the most recent films. I know this one we're looking at now is over a year old at this stage. Uh, but especially in shots like in this film when the character jumps out the window near the start. Or towards more towards the end when the zombie cure is thrown for the first time or also when the shelf is broken off. It's just, it's pretty slow. It doesn't have the right weight or impact.
1: Yeah, I, like...
2: So that would be something to consider. It would
1: be interesting to see, like, I don't think he's ever really delved into doing anything with brick-built motion blur. Um, so I could see that helping out a lot with that stuff.
0: Hmm. Okay, so is, um... Before we actually kind of, uh, wrap this up, is there anything that you'd like to do, you know, anything to say, you know, before... We kind of finished the episode.
1: No, I mean not as far as I can say. I mean, just definitely be on the lookout for some more stuff coming from me. Uh, I've got, I've got plans, but at the same time I don't have plans, so it's a mixed bag.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's been great having you uh, with us. Uh, you know, I, I really, I really admire your work. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, keep, keep at it. I mean, yeah. Um, for someone who's not really been. You know, animating for that long, really. Uh, you've been, you, you're really showing a lot of potential. And I, I mean, just that, uh, you know, your latest, like, my unlucky ish life films are just so, just so good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Idea, I, I, yeah, just, just keep at it. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah. It was a lot of years of just sitting around wanting to brick film, but not having the equipment to do it. So that time instead got invested into. Uh, watching other stuff and researching and figuring out how things uh, with brick filming work so that's definitely it's advice I would give to animators out there is just if you want to do it but you can't don't waste that time sitting around and thinking about how much you would do with that time use it to your advantage and watch other films look at behind the scenes of certain videos and just try and research things that are definitely going to help you fix uh, your craft. And once you can get to a point where your animation improves or you have equipment to animate with, uh, it'll help a lot with uh, with you having your own distinct style and just kind of being a standout animator from the rest of other people.
0: So, um, Trevor, where can they find you?
1: Uh, yeah, you guys can find me on my YouTube channel at Suited Ninja Nerd Productions. Uh, I don't have any other social media that uh, I have, I'd have. like people to have access to. Uh, hopefully, though, soon I'll be getting a Twitter. Still trying to work details out with that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you can just find me on YouTube at Sudan Engineer Productions.
0: Yeah, and uh, Penta, where can they find you?
2: Yep, Silly Penta on YouTube or Twitter. But I just wanted to just touch on that as well. Um, I like when there's a, a series in Brick Filming that... Uh, you know is gonna be good when you see a new one released. And I think that My Unluckiest Life has uh, very quickly become one of the standout series of recent times.
1: Yeah. Thank you, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to say that. <laughs>
0: uh, and uh, you can find me uh, on uh, YouTube, IW um, Studios, and um, the same on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, yeah. Thank you so much for joining me, guys. Uh, it's been a pleasure to, uh, talking to you today.
1: been a pleasure talking to you as well. Thank you for having me. Uh,
0: Bye guys, and keep brick filming.
1: Bye. See ya.